It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. I'm Chloe. And this week, I'm just going to jump straight in to a couple of pieces of interesting stuff that I've got here to share with you. Interesting stuff. This is a newish occasional section in the show where I bring you anything particularly interesting that I found out about recently in our e-commerce world. This might be an event, a white paper, a new supplier, or just something really cool I think you deserve to know about. You can find all the interesting stuff organised by episode at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash stuff. This week, I've got two things to tell you about, and they're both webinars hosted by me that you can attend for free. Now, tomorrow, yes, and sorry for the short notice on this one, I am hosting a free panel webinar all about how to improve your mobile conversion rates. I'll be joined by Ainsley Peake, that's Cox & Cox's head of e-commerce, and Nick Stragnell, e-commerce consultant and ex-head of online trade and experience at Bowdoin. You may well remember him from episode 236. We will be covering all kinds of ways to improve mobile performance from checkout and on-site optimization right the way through to marketing. Plus, you will get the chance to have your questions answered too. You've got a bit more notice for this second online event. Again, it's free and this one is on the 23rd of April, so a couple of weeks away. This one is more of an interview than a panel as I'm going to be chatting with Simon Horton, the marketing director of the LSE Retail Group. They sell lights. Um, and we're going to be chatting about the huge digital transformation journey they have just been on, including, ready for this Magento people, including upgrading their Magento 1 to Magento 2. We're going to go through it in a fair bit of detail. Um, and I know we're going to get some really interesting nuggets out of it for you all. Again, you're going to have the chance to get your questions answered. You will find the links to sign up for both or either of them for free at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash stuff. In today's episode, we're talking about selling your e-commerce business because it's been it's been quite a while since I've had a business broker on here. Well, I shouldn't say business broker, really. Someone who can help you sell your business on here um, because you should always be building a business with a mind to sell it because it keeps you focused on just how to make it work as well as it possibly can. So I've got a fantastic guest on today who's got some real serious e-commerce and Amazon selling experience himself and who now works helping e-commerce businesses to realize the most they can, or e-commerce business owners, I should say, to realize the most they possibly can for their businesses. Even if you don't think selling your business is in your near future, you are still going to pick up a whole host of useful tips from this. I just couldn't stop uh, stop our guests from giving tips. So, uh, so do stay tuned. Before we get to that though, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the growth marketing platform used by more than 30,000 e-commerce brands globally. In uncertain times, supporting your community and fostering relationships by being open and empathic is a strategy that will be appreciated and remembered far beyond today. One of the best channels to deliver these communications through is, and always will be, email. 
Email marketing is one of Klaviyo's foundational offerings, and when you leverage personalization driven by customer insight, you will create memorable marketing moments that cultivate lifelong relationships. Klaviyo truly understands how challenging it is for each and every business right now. Klaviyo is here to help brands communicate, engage, and foster relationships now and when all of this is just a distant memory. Visit klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. With SEMPRO Online from Pitney Bowes, you can simply print postage stamps and shipping labels even when working remotely. For as low as $4.99 a month, you'll get access to special discounts and save up to 40% off USPS Priority Mail. Plus, for being an e-commerce master plan listener, you'll receive a free 30-day trial to get started and a free £10 scale to ensure that you never overpay. That includes being able to schedule package pickups and track shipments from departure to arrival. Go to pb.com forward slash masterplan to access this special offer for a free 30-day trial plus a free £10 scale to get started. That's pb.com slash m-a-s-t-e-r-p-l-a-n to experience savings in your shipping costs with a free trial of SEMPRO Online from Pitney Bowes. And now to introduce today's guest expert. Chris Shipfilling is the managing partner at Global Wired Advisors, who help e-commerce business owners to sell up. With over 1,000 transactions under their belts, they really know what they're talking about. Hello, Chris. Hi, Chloe. How are you? I'm good. And I'm. it's been a while since we've talked about selling an e-commerce business on the podcast. So I am really excited to, to up my knowledge again uh, and to help many of the listeners who maybe haven't heard one of our episodes on that before to understand a little bit more about it. But before we get into that, um, could you let us know how you got involved in this wonderful world of e-commerce? Yes, I absolutely can. So uh, my career started uh, about six, oh gosh, it's 2020, so 17 years ago. Um, every flip of the calendar just makes me feel older and older and older. <laughs> so um, I originally started in sales and marketing um, as a, uh, you know, just pretty much entry level, worked my way up um, with a company that we were able to grow as a management team to 22 million, um, left that uh, as a, you know, executive sales and, and marketing director there. Um, while I was there, you know, this was 2003 going to about 2008. So, you know, Amazon was coming hot on the scene, mainly from vendor central, a vendor central perspective. So did a lot of work there with them. And e-com was, was really starting to take over that pair. I was living through that paradigm shift of brick and mortar, traditional brick and mortar retailers that we were selling to wholesale were now turning into e-commerce players. And so, that was a fun ride, right? Trying to understand map policies and tr- everyone just trying to get their arms around what is the what does the new world look like? Um, you know, from there, I, I worked for a middle market company. I was a, 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 a executive for the sales and marketing team. Um, helped with both the digital marketing, helped with um, helped with some product development there, and also was a director of sales. And so from there, you know, the just kept kind of. The, the skill set kept building. I kept learning more about what it means to be a wholesaler, um, you know, living in this new world, right? The paradigm shift has already started to happen and is really now getting to, I wouldn't say mature, but starting to take shape. Uh, Seller Central on Amazon was now starting to become a real thing. And so um, from there, I um, was recruited to run um, a Barcelona-based um, business. This was all in juvenile and toy, by the way. 
um, in, in the uh, juvenile toy industry. And so there is where I said, okay, I can either choose to keep going down this traditional wholesale path, or I can really dig my heels in and become a leader who understands direct to consumer for this business and for this North American effort. And so I chose understanding direct to consumer. We really dug in. Um, you know, what does it mean to have that first handshake with the consumer from a digital perspective? And what does it really look like for a brand to sell through Seller Central? And so I really hunkered down and I learned Seller Central. I learned digital marketing, became a very strong student, I would say, <laughs> of, of digital <laughs> marketing. And so from there, um, that that uh, that business in particular, they they actually ran out of money, <laughs> and so they had no uh, no further cash flow to to um, keep the effort moving in North America. Um, and I became a a consultant. Effectively, it was a senior sales Amazon and digital marketing consultant for enterprise level companies, right? Because a lot of enterprise businesses, um, frankly speaking, they're just clueless when it comes to all three of those things that I just said. They may have the sales down and the sales management, that traditional key account management down, but they have they're clueless when it comes to um, digital marketing and absolutely clueless when it comes to Amazon. So worked with uh, worked with enterprise level clients, and then about two two and a half years ago. Um, I actually met uh, my my current three partners uh, here uh, at Global Wired Advisors. They're, they were um, uh, they owned a um, firm called Providium Group, which is a middle market to lower middle market uh, investment bank, and uh, they also had a sell side effort called Providium Advisors, but it was only focused on traditional businesses. And so we met through um, mutual contacts, and uh, I started talking to them about really just all things digital. They started talking about how with their backgrounds in investment banking and how really a lot of these new sellers and a lot of these new businesses that have grown their uh, revenue from literally nothing to four, five, six, 10 million plus, they've grown a successful business, but they have no real financial firm to turn to that can truly help them with a successful exit. And what I mean by that is you've got brokers and you have middle market investment banks. Middle market investment banks would never look at anything pretty much below 75 million in revenue. It's just way too small. And so when you're a successful e-commerce owner um, or e-commerce business and you're, let's say, doing four or five million um, U.S. dollars or pounds <laughs> and, and you're looking to exit, right? You're looking to take on you know, the next thing. Uh, your only choice is to turn to a business broker. And so really taking that strong corporate sales and marketing, Amazon digital marketing experience and combining that with decades of strong institutional investment banking experience, working for companies like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Citibank, Deutsche Bank, um, hedge, uh, credit hedge funds, hedge funds and private equity, combining that and really giving the e-commerce business owner just a just a better option um, is why we started Global Wired Advisors, and so two years later, here we are. <laughs> nice, and you know, with a thousand deals already under your belts, clearly, clearly doing something right in the space. Yes, that's right. Well, and I will I will caveat the thousand. I mean, that's that's combining. You know, here here at Global, um, you know, in the past two years, I think we're approaching we're approaching now. Gosh, I want to say. Oh my goodness. I want to say it's like 40 plus that we have another 20 on deck. So it's a much lower number, but you know, the thousands are all of our combined experience, specifically in MA, um, 
in all of our careers. And most of that were with businesses that, you know, were in the multi, multi hundreds of millions to billions of dollars. Um, and so really being able to give the e-commerce owner that level of experience. And it's not just pouring coffee for the people who worked on the deal. We're talking about being fully invested and actually running the M&A process for some of some very large corporations. I like the fact, you know, you, you identified that gap in the market. And I think, you know, a business turning over four to five million is a, that's a, that's a valuable asset, something which someone should be able to sell that's right. for nice money to either fund their next idea or just fund life. That's right. So it's kind of crazy that the, the large, there's, it's hard to find a good solution for selling that because it's not a simple business brokerage deal. There's a lot, if you want to realize your, your, what you, what you deserve from that, then you, there's a few steps you have to go to, to really maximize your return on there. That's exactly right. And we identified that obviously fairly quickly, you know, we have another effort here in the firm. It's called Providium Group. I've mentioned it, I think, earlier. And that really is more our buy side. Um, that's more our buy side uh, private equity effort. And so we looked at, we talked to brokers. We looked at deals. You know, um, a couple of our partners here have owned and sold their own businesses through brokers when they left institutional investment banking. You got that entrepreneurial itch. And so we know the world. We know, we know that gap. And we identified it and said, there's just a, there's a better way. And there's a better option for, to your point, valuable assets that can completely change somebody's life with one transaction. For those who are listening, let's, let's give them some advice and help them head along this, this road themselves. But if you're, you know, thinking about maybe I want to sell out, how far, how far before the day of sale do you need to start thinking about it? Great question. So, you know, typically what we tell folks is, you know, if you're thinking about potentially selling your company, um, you want to start looking around 18 to 24 months uh, prior to knowing that you want you want a successful exit. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a, there's a lot of reasons for that, uh, mainly just around, hey, let's take a look under the hood and make sure that things are starting to get structured in a way that once the business goes to market, it's a clean business. Uh, it's a sellable business. Let's make sure there's no, what we call around here, Easter eggs <laughs> that would be found <laughs> in, in due diligence. And, uh, and let's start talking about some goals, right? Because a lot of people have bad assumptions when it comes to selling their company. They think it's done on revenue. They don't understand cash flow. They don't understand EBITDA. They don't understand the financial metrics effectively, um, wildly different than digital marketing uh, metrics mm -hmm. that are, are used when it's time to sell your company. And so really just getting the business owner to really to understand the financial metrics that are involved and starting to also understand your goals and, and, and you know, placing them against those financial metrics. To make sure it's clean. What did you mean by a clean structure? Books, man, books. <laughs> um, you know, we we deal with a lot of very, very busy small business owners, and rightfully so. And one of the things that unfortunately tends to get neglected, you know, you've got these brilliant digital marketing minds, you've got these, you know, brilliant product development minds, and just not very smart financial minds. Um, so they're not very good at math. And so typically, what I mean by clean is clean up your books, you know, getting them, getting the accounting clean, making sure we, we, you know, you, you as the business owner and us as your intermediary, as your, as your M&A advisor, we fully understand the, the finances before taking your business to market. 
because it's the first thing that a potential acquirer is going to look at. You know, the business owner always goes immediately to, yeah, but look at look at all of my differentiation. Look at all of the beautiful things that I've created. And a financial mind, a capital driven mind is going to go, I want to see if it's actually made money. And then let's talk about all the beautiful things you created. Cool. And then you also mentioned Easter eggs. Now, yes. um, it's quite close to Easter right now. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sure we all know what a real Easter egg is. But but can you just explain a little bit about and maybe give a couple of examples of the sorts of things that might be an Easter egg in an e-commerce business? Oh, man, an Easter egg. Let's <laughs> let's see. There could there's there could be a lot of examples here. I'm just trying to rack my brain. Um Basically, an Easter egg, I would say, defined at 30,000 feet are things that just weren't, you know, the business went to market too fast. This happens in broker world a lot. The business went went to market too fast. And when a potential acquirer was really digging into the numbers, they realized that the numbers were bad. They were wrong. And now the business is either not sellable and or the business is going to get retraded. And what I mean by that is acquire potential acquirer says i want to pay 3 million for your business based on cash flow times a multiple plus whatever inventory you may have right and then as they get into due diligence they find something that now changes that cash flow number whatever it might be just because the business went to market too fast there wasn't um you know there there could be uh legal uh issues right um mm-hmm. some ip issues some trademark issues all of these things are easter eggs and as a potential acquirer is really digging in and understanding the business now on a much more granular level, they discover that Easter egg. And now all of a sudden, they either don't want the business because they're not going to believe you, right? Whatever you may give as an excuse, it's going to be very difficult for them to believe what you're saying because you presented bad information to them. And then B, you're going to probably get retraded. And what that means is I was willing to pay $3 million for your business. Now I only want to pay $1.5. And here's my, here's my rationale. Um, and in truth, truth be told, it's probably good rationale because they discovered something that you didn't you didn't disclose in your offering materials, and they're the ones who had to find this um, and discover what was wrong with your business. Yes, it's a case of kind of finding those Easter eggs, those things that are wrong and fixing them first. I guess it's a little bit like that moment on um, Shark Tank or Dragon's Den here in the UK. Yes. Where, where all the dragons just go, you know, that someone asks the question like, and what's the shareholding like? Well, I've got 10% and my gran who died last year had 90% and they're all like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know, or, or yeah, this, this, who owns the website? Well, this guy built it for us and he's somewhere in Thailand um, and I think he owns it, but I don't really know. And they all just like lean back and go, "Oh well, I'm that's out right. of here." That, that's exactly that's exactly right. It's 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 finding those things that just become an, they just become a total just stop. And 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 really, an investment banking process that's that that happens. I wouldn't say, we use the term rarely, but I would say that the percentage of that happening is much 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 lower. Because with an investment banking process, you're not rushing the business to to for sale, right? You're not just you're not just a listing agent. You're diving in and you're really trying to understand what's there, and you're doing full due diligence at first, and you're catching those things before you go to market. Because a lot of them are actually quite easy to solve. 
you know, you said about IP issues and trademark issues, doesn't take a lot of effort to get a trademark registered. But when it's found during the sale process, it can cost you a huge amount, whereas you could have had it fixed and it's just something they're not even going to ask about and it just stops them. I guess it's a bit like with someone who's on your website, you don't want to give them any reason to stop on their path to checkout. And it's a bit like the same thing, isn't it? It's just clearing the deck so that person could just go, yeah, I want your business. I'm powering through to sign on the dotted line and give you many millions of pounds. Well, that's exactly right. And, and, and using the right, you know, this is a little bit of a plug on us, so just bear with me, but using the right intermediary, it matters, right? I mean, it really does matter to get maximum value out of your business. And that's not just a sales pitch. That's just reality. You know, when you're presenting a business to a buyer, right, that is cleaned up, um, that the offering materials uh, now package it and present it and position in a way that not only makes it make perfect sense from a rear view perspective, but also makes sense from an opportunistic or what I call a windshield perspective too. Mm -hmm. So that right firm, you know, because the the buyer and the seller, um, and particularly the intermediary and the buyer, you know, the market always wants to do tug of war with you right? You always want the market to pay on future cash flow. You always want the market to pay on the future of the business. But the market wants to pay on trailing 12 months of cash flow in the lower middle market, specifically in the world that most of your listeners live in. And so it's this constant tug of war. So if you position the business poorly, and all you're doing is positioning the business from a rear view perspective, then you're probably not going to get maximum value, right? But if you position it from a, a opportunistic perspective that passes a sniff test, right? So you're, you're creating financials, you're creating a pro forma that makes perfect sense. You're outlining all of the things on why this business can now, you know, in the new hands of a capital buyer can grow and can scale. That's going to make the difference between, in some cases, millions of pounds, and again, you know, you're talking about a transaction here that even even now down to the granular level like that, the difference between millions of pounds, that's a huge difference. And so who you choose to take your business to market, I mean, it really does matter. I like the fact you say, you know, about how you package it up. And um, I guess the most universal example of this is I suspect most of the listeners have had to pick between CVs to decide who to interview for jobs. And you know how you, you pick up like a CV and trying to get the meat out of that CV is just like, it's a nightmare because it's, it's, it's not formatted right. They've not given you the details they need. And when you, when you actually sit in front of them, if you, for some God unknown reason, decide to actually interview them, you suddenly yeah. decide they're amazing, yeah. but their CV was terrible. But then you get a CV that has bullet point, bullet point, bullet point that matches your job description. And you're just like, yes, this person bothered to read it and they bothered to format a CV. It's a bit the same, isn't it? You make it easy for the buyer by giving them all the information they need in an easy format. And that that is hard to do. Well, it is. And, you know, this is where also the many decades of investment banking experience also come in because every buyer, every buyer wants to talk, they want, you know, if they're interested, they want to talk immediately to the owner. We actually sold a business last week. The buyer and seller never spoke, not one time. We wow. sold the business from start to finish, soup to nuts, and we got mad. I mean, the, the seller was elated. I mean, could not believe that we got we got uh, we know indexed above market multiples for sure. And so that's where our our investment banking experience kicks in, right? So I gave you my experience, and you know what I do for the firm is I'm usually the first conversation someone has, um, just like we're having right now, kind of talking about who we are, what we do. Um, et cetera, et cetera. But I also, because of my experience, I'm the one with my team, I'm working on all the opportunistic 
um, and diagnostic, all the information that's going to go into the offering memorandum, or they also call it a AOM basically for short. Mm-hmm. And so I'm putting all the future stuff in there, but then my three partners are all deal runners. And so the three of them, when they're talking to a potential um, buyer of a business, to your point about looking at the CV and then also then talking to them can be worlds apart. When you speak to one of our deal runners, the investment banking experience just kicks in and immediately you go, okay, these guys, these guys, they just, they sound like they know what they're talking about. And Chloe, you as an Mm e-commerce expert, if I came to you and I started acting like I knew what I was talking about when it came to SEO, you're going to pick up on it immediately that Mm -hmm. I really don't know what I'm talking about. And so there's, there's, there's a lot of that that's occurring over here too, is that when, you know, and again, going back to it matters who you use. When you start speaking to a deal runner from our firm, it's it's immediately apparent that we know the business very, very well. We know it from soup to nuts. And we also know that, you know, from an opportunistic perspective, it's packaged well. But then from a financial perspective, we're able to defend all of our numbers. And a broker doesn't do any of that. The minute you say, I'm interested in this business, and a buyer says, I'm interested in this business, they're going to put you on the phone with, with the seller. And so the seller ends up selling his own business which is just a world of distraction, number one. And number two, a seller doesn't know how to sell his own business. If he did that, he would just do it on his own anyway, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and it, it's like like your point about SEO. Whilst you, want, you don't want someone trying to tell you they know about SEO, what you don't want is, as a buyer, you don't want the seller, when you say, how's the SEO performing, them to tell you, spend two hours explaining every inch of their SEO strategy. That's right. Because it's, it's not important to the sale, is it? And That's right. And I, I just keep going back to the fact you said you sold one last week where the buyer and the seller never spoke. And just yeah. how amazing that must be for the seller. Didn't have to have any meetings <laughs> or pretty much no meetings. Not one. In fact, it's about to, it's about to happen again. We're about to go under LOI with a business, um, a vitamins business where buyer and seller will have never spoken and they probably will, will never, never, never speak. We just play all the offense. We play all the defense because that's what we're used to. The investment banking process, that's what it is. An investment banking process is someone who is highly invested in, in you know, the selling of your business from start to finish. And so, yeah, the first time they met actually was um, at a closing dinner. Uh, so we threw a closing dinner for him because it was a big deal. You know, the, the seller was able to, you know, come out and, you know, he, he made millions of dollars and the buyer was very happy to buy the business. And that first time they met was at a restaurant <laughs> after everything was closed. So, yeah. And that's, I mean, that, I, I would say that's also, I mean, you know, if, if I were to really talk about a huge differentiator, I think I walked through a lot, but I would say one of the bigger ones is the fact that, you know, you, you're not, you're not selling your business with a listing agent. You're selling your business with real investment banking professionals who will actually sell your business and truly go out there and find the best acquirer for you. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. How are the leading D2C brands growing their businesses? They're using Klaviyo, the growth marketing platform chosen by over 30,000 global innovative online brands. Klaviyo believes in supporting growth, which is why they won't tie you into lengthy contracts, hidden setup or support fees, or feature-based pricing. With a platform that's both powerful and easy to use, it's no surprise so many brands have switched to Klaviyo. Looking for one more compelling reason? Brands switching to Klaviyo see an average of 62 times ROI on their investment. Ready to learn more? Visit klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan.
With SEMPRO Online from Pitney Bowes, you can simply print postage stamps and shipping labels, even when working remotely. For as low as $4.99 a month, you'll get access to special discounts and save up to 40% off USPS Priority Mail. Plus, for being an e-commerce master plan listener, you'll receive a free 30-day trial to get started and a free £10 scale to ensure that you never overpay. So you can calculate the exact postage online, print from your PC and avoid trips to the post office. Go to pb.com forward slash masterplan to access this special offer for a free 30-day trial plus a free £10 scale to get started. That's pb.com slash m-a-s-t-e-r-p-l-a-n to experience savings in your shipping costs with a free trial of SEMPRO Online from Pitney Bowes. It's time for the Top Tips Round. Right. I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So, Chris, you ready for the top tips? Yes, I am. If I stumble, please just bear with me. (laughs) No problem at all. Well, look, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? Oh, hands down. Probably one of my favorite books is The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. I love that book. Um, read that book back when I was, uh, just late, actually just graduated from college. It was one of that in good to great, um, was one of my two first business books that I read, but the E-Myth Revisited is fantastic advice on how to package and tidy up your business, um, to make it repeatable. It's all about the franchise model. So E-Myth Revisited. Excellent recommendation. Okay. The traffic top tip, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? So I'm going to speak from a little bit of a different perspective on this, and I think your audience will appreciate it. I'm going to speak about it from the lens of, and because this is happening all the time now, where you've got a large concentration of revenue on Amazon and trying to figure out how you rotate away from Amazon. And so the marketing method that I just, man, it just excites me every time I talk about it, anytime someone else talks about it, is the method of getting people away from Amazon, I hope Amazon's not listening, away from Amazon and to your own website. And there are many methods within that to, to do so. Um, some are you know, uh, some API methods uh, going in and getting some order data. Um, some of it's Google SEO data. So I say the, that marketing method in particular, anytime someone has come to our firm and said, Hey, I've got, you know, had a large concentration of revenue on Amazon. I was able to really push that off. And now I've got either 50, 50 or 80, 20. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've got stars in my eyes listening to how they did it. Very cool. I love the fact you're leaving that slightly silent and not really giving too much detail because guys, you're best off Googling that one because we don't want to put it out there too much, do we? <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Because <laughs> if, if they find out, they'll stop you doing it. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> okay, cool. The tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plug in a phone app or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? HubSpot. Period. I love HubSpot. It's my favorite CRM tool that I've ever used. You know, my business, it's all about CRM, right? I've got to make sure that um, I'm capturing everybody's detail. I'm logging emails. I'm logging documents. I'm following up with prospective clients. And I just absolutely love HubSpot for, I would say, small to medium-sized businesses. And they've come a long way from an enterprise perspective, too. I mean, they're really, I, I would say now, truly nipping at Salesforce's heels. I tried Copper for a bit. Wasn't impressed. Really love HubSpot. 
Cool. Okay. The growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? And Chris, I'm expecting something good given this is your day-to-day bread and butter. (laughs) Stay in stock, period. You have no idea how many folks that I speak to on a daily basis that tell me, well, I could have actually been about half a million to a million more in top line revenue, but I ran out of stock, you know, AKA I'm a poor inventory manager. And so if you really, really want my advice, please stay in stock. It's one of the biggest, biggest ways that people lose out on revenue. And, you know, you're talking about 100 to 1000, and maybe this is just a totally different perspective than what your listeners are hearing um, from others, but please stay in stock. I mean, now, especially from an e-com perspective and even Amazon, there are plenty of tools to help you become a much better inventory manager. And I am happy to provide tools for any of your listeners if they reach out to me um, to help them when it comes to inventory management. Cool. And it's, it's such a simple thing, but you know, you just think as a consumer when you're out there on the net, uh, you know, shopping and something's out of stock, do you go back and check the following day to see if it's oh, back no, in? Oh, no, no. We're, we're, we're goldfish. We have the attention span. We have the attention span less than a goldfish. And so if it's out of stock, it's out of stock. And also not to mention on Amazon, if you're out of stock on Seller Central, your SEO juice just plummets. I mean, absolutely plummets. And, and they will ding you for that. It's not necessarily something that's spoken about, but I have spoken to enough Amazon experts, enough eight-figure sellers that have all uh, identified that you really just need to go up in price if you feel like you're about to go out of stock. Because if you black out on Seller Central, it is not good. And it doesn't bounce back the second you come back into stock either, does it? Not at all. Nope, not at all. They will suppress you for sure. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of good top tips there. Chris, you said um, if anyone wants to get in contact with you, well, now's the time to tell them how. Yeah. Before we say goodbye, tell us how they can find both you for those those uh, those tool tips and also uh, your business on the web and social, please. Absolutely. So uh, you can go to Google for 10% of your listeners that, are, that use Yahoo or 5% that use Bing. They can go and type in Global Wired Advisors, and uh, we're the first ones that come up. And so they can go to our website. We have a valuation tool that they can use. It's a very helpful tool. It's a marker in the sand, though. We always say devil's in the details around here. And so, you know, if you're really interested in getting a much more deeper valuation, I call it a tighter valuation range, by all means, then reach out to us um, via the consultation form. And happy to do a complimentary consultation with you, understanding your business, you know, from from start to finish, requesting lots of financial documents to really dig in and give you a good range of where you would trade in the market today uh, based on what we know. So that's really our, our website is, is our hub. As far as the tools, um, you know, my email address is cs at globalwiredadvisors.com. So it's pretty simple. And if you know you have your listeners reaching out and they just need some resources, by all means, I'm happy to give them any of those resources that I mentioned around the inventory. And then we've got other resources as well. So yeah, that's how you get in touch with us. And also for your UK listeners, we are global, truly. It's not just in our name. <laughs> you know, we have um, a few deals that uh, currently active out of the UK, um, Canada, Europe. So we're truly global. Um, and that definitely, I would say, probably is another way we differentiate ourselves. 
You just anticipated my question there. I was going to say, are you USA only? <laughs> no, we are not. So that's a good, that's a good thing. We actually just, uh, we actually just sold a UK business to, um, to a private equity firm here. And, and, and what's interesting, you know, kind of going back to our skill set, um, they never would have looked at this business if we didn't package it in a way and reach out to them directly. So we, we sought after them and we gave them a reason to care and they cared enough to where they said, this is a great, what they call a tuck in to our platform company. So the most private equity firms will have a platform business and they'll buy up or acquire to tuck into and roll up into that platform. And so we got them to care. By platform, we're meaning a... It's like a, a much larger business. So they'll have, and this is a good oh, example. Okay. So for instance, they have a hundred million dollar e-commerce business. That's, that's, that's the private equities platform company. And so this particular business only had about like 600,000 pounds in cash flow. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, private equity, if it's under a million, almost always will never look at the business. You have to give them, you have to give them reason to, to, to care. And so we did that. We gave them a reason to care and said, look, this really does make sense for you. And here's why. And they believed it. And so they said, yes, this is actually a good tuck in to our platform e-commerce business. This is something that will complement it very well and help grow all of the revenue together creatively. So, Whilst creating great economy of scale, I guess, as well. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Very cool. See, Chris, you're still giving us great content when I'm trying to say goodbye to you. Love it. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, um, like I said, we're going to say goodbye now. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's been really fascinating talking to you. Yeah, I think we've probably enlightened a few of the listeners as to the future opportunities that might be out there for them. So, um, So thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. And thanks for having me on, Chloe. Well, there you go, guys. Uh, Another angle of e-commerce covered to give you kind of an insight into what you could do with your business and how to make sure you make the most out of it. It's kind of like selling is one of those things you often don't hear about. And the thing is, there are good ways to do it and there are bad ways to do it, like everything in business. And if you don't know about the good ways, then it can cost you a huge amount because there's a lot of little tips and tactics like using someone who knows what they're doing, who does this day in, day out to package your business well, get it ready for sale, let you know how much you should expect. And in and amazingly in that situation, do all the negotiating for you. How cool is that? You can get the notes from today's show and all those links, the top tips, details of some related episodes, then head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. And in those related episodes, we've got, um, if you're an Emith fan, I'll put uh, I'm writing it as I speak. I will put uh, my interview with Michael Gerber himself. And we've had a couple of other people talking about selling businesses. So I'll add those in. So it might be a bit of a bumper related episodes section for this one. And if you're enjoying the e-commerce master plan podcast, then um, please do give us a review. Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Shopify, any of those. um, Feedback via the review app is greatly appreciated. I hope you have a great week and keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.